every tear from their eyes. The word of the Lord.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name. Please be seated. The Buddhist instructor, Jack Kornfeld, tells the story of an elderly woman in New York who goes to a travel agent and says, Please get me a ticket to Tibet. I want to go see the guru. The travel agent says, you know, it's a long trip to Tibet. You'd be much happier going to somewhere like Miami. And she says, I insist, I want to go. So this old lady gets a ticket, brings her things with her, gets on the plane and goes to India, gets the visa and the pass, takes the train up to Sikkim, gets a border pass, takes the bus up to the Tibetan plateau, and gets out. And they're all saying, where are you going? I must go see the guru. They say, it's such a long way. You're an old lady. It's up in the mountains. She says, I'm going. I have to see the guru. They say, you know you only get three words with him. It doesn't matter. I'm going. So she goes. And she gets on the horse in Tibet because there are no roads in this part of the country. She gets to the foot of this large mountain and all these pilgrims are saying, where are you going? She says, I want to see the guru. They say, remember, you just get three words. She says, I know, I know. She gets in line, gets up there, finally past the guards at the door who say, three words only. She goes in and there's the guru sitting in his robes with a kind of scraggly beard. He looks up at her, and she looks at him, and she says, Sheldon, come home. (laughs) 
Leave it to our mothers to be able to travel across the globe to find us, to see through our facades, to call us by name, and invite us home. It's often said that when we were young, we learned how to always recognize our mother's voices. By a certain age, we could no longer be consoled by a babysitter, but we actually needed our mother. We needed to hear our name from them. And no matter how old we are, how long our mothers have been gone, we can always recognize their voices. In a similar way, our collect for today and our gospel suggests that we can always recognize Jesus' voice, the one who calls himself the Good Shepherd. In sharing the metaphor of being the Good Shepherd, Jesus is drawing upon a practice that was common among shepherds at the time. At night, for protection and companionship, shepherds would put their flocks together in a common enclosure. And they would then separate their sheep in the morning by using their voices. Each shepherd had trained his sheep to be attuned to his voice and his voice only. The shepherd would walk away from the enclosure calling his sheep, often by their individual names, and they would follow him. His sheep were so attuned to his voice that they would not follow the voice of another shepherd, even if the other shepherd tried to trick them. Shepherds often did this to try to steal sheep by imitating the voice of their own shepherd. Now, this comes not without its own challenges. To recognize the good shepherd's voice is to be able to, to discern his voice from all the other voices around us, voices from the imposter shepherds. And while we know that the shepherds mimicking Jesus sound different in our own day and age, we've learned to recognize them voices that feel urgent and challenging, voices that feel contentious or judgmental, voices that tell us to try harder, smile more, weigh less, parent better, go back to yoga, eat more kale. Often enough, the voices around us present themselves in the imperative case, as command or as demand. And it can be hard to hear the Good Shepherd's voice amidst it all. One of the things about sheep that's hardest for me to accept is that they can do so very little by themselves. Have you ever been around sheep before? Sheep are clueless. What, what we read in Psalm 23 about sheep needing to be led to green pastures is so because they can't find food themselves. And unless they're moved along, they will eat a green pasture all the way down to the dirt, and it'll all be dead. They can't find water. They have to be led to water. And they'll only drink still water. Very particular needs about water. Sheep get lost all the time. It's like they have a tracker to seek out the valley of the shadow of death. They need to be defended. They're virtually defenseless, and so shepherds have a rod and a staff to both rescue but also to fend off the predators. Sheep are filthy. They're a mess. Well, for John chapter 10 and Psalm 23, 
to be a mirror for our own spiritual lives, we must reckon with our own neediness. We don't spend too much time thinking about this. It's a taboo to be perceived as needy. We all know people who are needy, and we really don't like to be around them. Needy is bad. The voices in our culture teach us to value words like potential and upward mobility. These same voices in our culture that come to us as command ask us to pretend like we have no needs or to pretend like we can meet any need with a product like new facial cream. Only gods, it turns out, have no needs. And that's why this word about being needy is good news for us human beings. You don't have to be a god in control and always shining in a kind of muscular glory. Just a human being will do. To be a human makes you more like a sheep than a god. I remember a conversation one of my former professors from seminary shared with me that he had with his nine-year-old daughter at breakfast. Humans are such a mess, said Anna Claire as she finished her chocolate milk. Yes, they are. That's why Jesus came, to save us and heal us, said her father. Are saints a mess too, she asked. Yes, saints are a mess. Saints know it better than anyone, and that's why they throw themselves so recklessly on God's mercy. Sometimes I wonder if it's not just my room that's a mess, but if I'm a mess. Does that mean I can be a saint? <laughs> of course, sweetie. That's the only thing necessary, that you admit that. Cool, she said. One of the greatest fears in life for many people is that they might be known, exposed, or outed, that the truth get out, that they're a mess. Who was it who said, if we were walking down the street and someone came up to us and whispered in our ear, they've found out everything, run. Nine out of ten of us would. <laughs> one of the greatest fears in life is being discovered. At the same time, one of the greatest needs in life is to be known, to be outed, for the authentic me to come forth, to be known and accepted. Greatest fears and greatest needs. To be a sheep is to be needy. And the shape of this need is to be recognized, to be seen, to be named. You see, the voice of God is unique in that it doesn't come as a command nor as an accusation. It always comes as a gift. It bestows identity on whoever it encounters. God's voice comes to the place of greatest need the desire to be known, the fear of being abandoned, the doubt about one's importance, the frustration of getting older. The Good Shepherd always comes to the deepest parts of ourselves and says, I know you, I see you, I've called you by name. Which is another way of saying, like Sheldon's mom, come home. You need not be ashamed of your needs. These are just the open spaces, open pastures in you where the Good Shepherd's voice is to be heard. And if you're tempted at this point to fold your arms and say that this is all sweet and cozy, but it just sounds too easy, 
let me remind us that it's only in the place of our deepest need where we can hear our true names. It takes great courage, it turns out, to be needy. No, I'm not saying we all go careen down skid row and become headaches to everyone around us. It's to say that holiness in this life is to have a profound sense of your own need, to not be ashamed of what one author has called an inner poverty. Because as those messy saints around us remind us, it's through inner poverty and need that we discover a deeper solidarity